Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Yeah, thank you just Every Nation Rosebank for hosting me this morning, but also just hosting our, our conference, our evangelism internship. This is the third time we're running our outreach internship, and for those of you who might not know, uh, like Pastor Simon said, we are called to honor God, make disciples, and then transform nations, correct? And, and part of that is we want to see local church-based evangelists be effective in their local churches to stir up the fire for the lost within every local church across Southern Africa, and we're dreaming about everywhere, right? Um, we are dreaming to reach every single nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is the third one. The first one was held in Durban. The second one was held in Stellenbosch. And this year, Joburg gets to be transformed. Hallelujah. Amen. The city of gold turns into the city of God, like Pastor Simon said. Now, um, that is my wife, Riet. This year, we are married for 10 years. Uh, yeah, so... She is um, not here this morning, but uh, she deserves a round of applause for sticking it out for 10 years. Uh, but the, the good thing, guys, when you, when you get married and you marry a church lady and she believes in Jesus, then those I do's are forever. Um, and then she doesn't have an out, right? There's no out. So, yeah, she's stuck with me, and most of the time she enjoys it. Um, but I know that you guys are in a series on prayer. And how exciting is that? Last week you had uh, Pastor Eric and uh, Willem, uh, Peter Koffier uh, just sharing on unanswered prayer. Um, and what a timely topic. I think that's something we all wrestle with. And um, just the word that, that um, was given this morning as well with Pastor Bill Johnson's wife passing. And he shared something online where he shared that there's aspects of God's character that can only be discovered when we are in the shadow of the valley of death. Um, and, and it's in those moments when we press in where we discover more about God. And, and I'm excited just to, to continue with the theme of prayer. And this morning we're going to be focusing on praying to the Lord of the harvest. Um, so before we continue, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and active, that it is true. And we thank you, Lord, that your word will also just come and accomplish and avail much. Lord, we want to open up our hearts this morning to receive from you. Now, in this moment, Lord, we want to grab hold onto your promise that my sheep will hear my voice. And this morning, Lord, our desire is to hear your voice. Would you come and speak into our lives, Lord? Would you come and speak into our circumstances? Thank you, Lord, that you minister your peace into our hearts right now. And that you enable our hearts to receive whatever you want to deposit this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, one thing that is um, quite important for us to know is that God is God. All right? Whom of you have struggled with that before? All right? <laughs> that you'll get into a space and then something happens in your life and you don't necessarily agree or like it. And you go into your prayer room and you have this wrestling with God and the end result is you lose. Um, but the great thing is that God allows you to have that moment. I'm thinking of the story of Jacob, and God wrestles with Jacob. But in my own life, more often than not, um, the end result of that wrestling with God is repentance, and then hopefully a changed heart, and then, okay, God, I'll submit. But God is God, and, and God has this incredible plan that He draws us into. 
And in, in Mark 1.17, we see Jesus calling his first disciples, and he gives them this invitation. He says, come. You guys know this. Follow me, all right? Come, follow me. And what I love about that invitation is Jesus is not seeking for the perfect people. He wasn't seeking for those who were doing everything right. Um, he was actually deliberately looking for those who've been outcasted maybe by society. They were not the most learned people. They weren't the people that were praying on their knees at the synagogue and just looking for Jesus. No, he went looking for them and he gives them this invitation, come, follow me. And then as they respond, he gives the promise, and I will make you become fishers of men. It was so beautiful. I shared with Pastor Side. there was a lady, and that's part of our internship. I don't know if you're here this morning, so I won't name your name. But um, the, the Friday we went doing outreach. Now, we have a good mixed group of people at, um, attending the internship. So not all of them are seasoned evangelists. Some people are scared Christians. Anyone like that in the room? All right. Um, and the, we had stories of the, the outreach, and we go out to the street, and that's just a great way for you to overcome any fear. And they started just sharing stories, and she said, so we spoke to another person, and then I ran away. Uh, and someone said, did you go shopping? And she's like, I'll confess, I went shopping. <laughs> because they went to Santon, I mean. Um, yeah. And then yesterday, we, we shared stories again as we went out, and uh, she had the opportunity to lead someone to the Lord for the very first time in her life. How precious is that? Now, coming back to the fact that God is God, and He has a plan for your life, and He invites us into this journey of following Him, but He includes us in His mission. And then Jesus says, and if you follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. So we need to understand that God's plan for our lives as we surrender to Him, as we choose to follow Him, is that our lives will bear fruit for His kingdom. Reaching the lost, reaching the harvest is not for evangelists. It's for Christians. It's for disciples. It's for you and me. And it's not beyond you. It's not beyond you. If you're here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus yourself, it's not beyond you, and it's not too late. So if we go into the Word of God, Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. It is on the board, but oh, it's not on the board. So you can open your Bibles. That's on the board, yeah. Now you can go to the previous one. It's fine. We'll stick there for a bit. So Matthew 9, 35, 38. Uh, whom of you have alarms set for, for 9, 38? All right. So if you're in every nation, if you've been to some of our conferences, 938, the harvest is plentiful. So Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Often when Matthew 9.38 comes up, then we pray for our just ones. We pray for those that we are trusting God, for people in our lives who do not know Jesus. But there's something in the scripture 
that needs to capture our hearts. Jesus says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So there's a couple of key elements just from this text. Number one, it is his harvest. The harvest belongs to Jesus. And then he calls us to pray to him, not in the scripture just for the harvest, but for laborers to be sent out into the harvest. I grew up in a, in a farming community called Douglas, deep in the Northern Cape, where the Vol and the Orange River confluence. And um, so it's a big agriculture community. But um, I remember reading this portion of Scripture and just thinking about harvest. Um, and then the Bible teaches us that Jesus came as the first fruits for many. And then the principle is that a, a farmer would go into his field when it is close to harvest time and he would enter into the field and pull out a portion of the harvest, whether it's grapes or grain, and would pull out a portion of the harvest and then look at that portion. And if that portion was deemed ready for harvest, then he would deem the whole field ready for harvest. And if Jesus became the first fruits of the harvest, his ascension is then this a declaration, the harvest is now ready to be received in. But now the key is that the harvest will not remain ready forever. You see, if you are working with grapes, if you have a vineyard, then you do not have laborers staying on your, on your farm throughout the whole year. It's not economical. It doesn't make sense. So the farmer close to harvest time, when the harvest is ready, that someone would go into town and look for laborers, whoever is willing and able, because the harvest is ready. And if we don't receive the harvest now, it might go off. So not only is this invitation from Jesus to participate in being harvesters, but there's an urgency that He calls us to be part of. Now, I believe that we are living in incredible times. Um, uncertain times, yes but incredibly exciting times. And there are three things that I'm just sensing God is doing in His church globally. Uh, the first one is prayer. So well done, Pastor Simon and the leadership here for praying. Um, but I believe that God is awakening a revival of prayer across the, the world. I don't think, and um, don't quote me on this, and if it's being recorded, we can cut this out. But I don't think that there's ever been a revival of prayer as we have today because of the access through technology, how prayer activations are taking place in churches, towns, cities, homes across the world, and people are desiring and seeking after the Lord. So there's a prayer revival that is taking place. And from prayer is birthed pure devotion, a worship unto God, that we bring ourselves before the Lord and we allow Him to come and speak into our lives, to redefine our, our identities, to redefine who we are, but to cultivate in our hearts a pure devotion for Him alone. That's a tricky space because He has to strip us from other devotions. We have to lay down other lords to continue living under His Lordship. But it's that place of prayer where intimacy is birthed. And the heart of God gets deposited into our hearts. And what beats in His heart starts to beat in ours. We, we sing, um, I love the song we sang this morning, that we would live the songs we sing. And, and it's, it's a tricky thing. Because how do we do that? 
Whom of you have desires to do more for God? If you have desires to see more things for God. I reflected once on a prophetic word I received in 2013 um, by Pastor Carol Gosman. So you know there's power in it. And, and I was thinking I was reflecting on it maybe five years later. And there were certain things that she shared in that prophetic word that just stirred in my heart. Um, and being an unveiler of truth and seeking after the deep things of God. And everything in that word just resonated and stirred me up. But when I listened to it five years later, it brought me to tears because I was saying, God, where is this? Why am I not seeing it? Now, there's a place where God is working in us a spirit of waiting because He has a time and a place for everything. But sometimes there's a place where I can be the delay because I'm not willing to press into prayer. Prayer is the place where a lot of these promises are birthed. And I want to invite you to pray. I know that as a church here in Rosebank, there are ample opportunities for you to participate in prayer, to grow in prayer, and allow God to come and cultivate His heart into yours, and you will start to see the purposes of God come um, unfolding in your life, but also through your life. So first thing that I'm seeing is prayer. The second thing is from prayer, God will lead us into mission. There's no way that you can be captured by the heart of God and not be led by the things that are on God's heart. He's the Father's heart longs for His sons and daughters to come home. That picture that Jesus tells of the lost son in the, in the parable of the lost son, where the Father sits on the porch longing every day for His lost son to come home. And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost, and as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So we need to know that as we spend time in God's presence, it's good for us to receive. It's good for us to be built up. But friends, if God's purpose for us was only to be built up by Him and to be visited by His presence, He could have taken us to heaven already. We have a mission. There's something that God is calling us into to participate with. And I believe that God is calling the church to do it in the, the space of community. If we think about the mental health problems we're facing in the world, loneliness, depression, isolation, God is calling His church to be a community of people that pray, that's on mission together, that our homes, our dinner tables will be safe places. I think sometimes we can get comfortable in the auditorium and to welcome new people here. And if you're here for the very first time, we really do want to say welcome. But may you not only be welcome in the auditorium, May you be welcome in our homes. May you be welcome in our lives. May the things that you are carrying in your life be safe in our midst. And I believe that in that space of community, God is ready to pour out His power because He's advancing His kingdom. So as we give ourselves to, to prayer, as we give ourselves to God, there are three things I just want to unlock from the, the Scripture. So in verse 36, it says that, but when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. When we spend time in God's presence, there's an understanding that is birthed in our own lives. And um, I didn't grow up with a heart for the lost. It's something that God needed to cultivate. 
Now, there are certain grace giftings that God gives us in different measures. And there was a love for people. But it wasn't a natural love in general for the lost. I had people that I loved more and people that I didn't like so much. And God needed to come and work in my heart. And He needed to expose certain blind spots in my life. And a key to this is Jesus saw the multitudes and he saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, whom of you have gone to the mall and then you've seen people walking around like sheep? Not people on shopping sprees. Okay? So people don't tend to uh, normally walk on their, like their, four, their hands and their feet, right? That's not what you see. So obviously what Jesus meant there was not physical, it was spiritual. And this is the thing. As we spend time in God's presence... There is something spiritual that needs to happen to our understanding that we view people no longer in the flesh but in the spirit. And I love what 2 Corinthians 5 teaches that because he has died, we deem that all have died and therefore we count no one according to the flesh. And in this space, Jesus sees their spiritual condition and he knows the reason for their bondage is the enemy, that there's sin at play. That there's a brokenness that is beyond their ability to repair themselves. And if no, someone is not going to reach into their lives and show them the way out, they have no way out. Now we can sit here and it's like, yeah, I've got a friend and their marriage is falling apart. And I really love my friend and I want to see their marriage restored and get them to see Jesus. And like, yeah, Lord, I resonate with this. I have compassion. But what about the people that you don't like that much? What about the behaviors of people that influence your day to day? Can we look beyond the flesh and see the spiritual aspects that's at play, that's keeping people in bondage? Paul writes in Ephesians 2 and he says, Therefore remember that you, everybody say me, that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, you were once without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, Having no hope and without God in this world. Do you remember the time when you were without God and without hope? Do you remember the time when you were not looking for God? Do you remember the time when you were doing your own thing and the things of God weren't that important to you? When the people around you weren't that important to you? Remember that time when you were stuck in your own selfish ways and you were so consumed by getting people to like you and find the approval of everyone, whether it's your boss or your girlfriend or just your neighbor? Remember that time when you had certain beliefs that you would compromise on, but someone paused, someone stopped, someone had patience, someone had grace, someone saw beyond the natural and they stepped into the spiritual, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Friends, if we're going to be serious about God, we have to be serious about prayer. And if we're serious about prayer, God will start to birth a compassion, or an understanding in your life that leads to compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion. You see, if I do not deem people in the spirit and I only see them in the flesh, I might even participate in the mission because of duty. Every nation asks it of me. <laughs> My church demands us to have small groups. My church demands us to reach out to people and they have all of these things that we have to fill in. And you can even participate in the mission because of duty. 
You can participate because you feel that if I participate, then maybe God will bless me. But if there's not a heart of understanding that births compassion, we will, we will hurt the harvest. Because then going on mission is more about me. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. And the word compassion means to suffer with, to know the full depth of a person's pain, need, or suffering. And true compassion is only found in and through Christ. Because only Jesus knows the true depth of someone's hurt, pain, need, and suffering. So true compassion is only found in Christ. And as we abide in Him, He starts to abide in and through us. And we learn off of Him. We learn to feel as He feels, care as He cares, love as He loves. The compassion of Christ starts to take hold of me. And friends, here's a little secret. As you start to minister the compassion of Jesus to others, it ministers to you. I can't remember who said it, but um, they spoke about the gospel is not an individual thing to be understood individually. It's designed to be understood collectively. That's why it's important for us to be part of spiritual family. But the gospel is designed to be understood collectively. And there's even something about the gospel that the lost can teach you. Think about that. There's something about the gospel that a lost person, someone who does not yet know Jesus, can teach you. And as we step into the mission field and we minister the compassion of Christ, the compassion of Christ ministers back to you. You walk away with a deeper revelation like, God, your grace is so much more sufficient. Friends, Paul speaks about the mysteries of the gospel. Who of you know everything about the gospel? You know everything about everything about the gospel. You figured it out. Write a book. We'll read it. It means that there's mysteries to God's grace that our minds won't understand. But when we step into the field and we see the ministry, the compassion of Christ, the grace of God at work in people, it teaches us. We get to learn off of Christ. Yesterday, um, and compassion is a beautiful thing because it. It draws you to people, but it connects you to people. There's a space when you and I are willing to step into that space of compassion, which is birthed by loving people, that there's a connection that is made in that moment. And even when you meet someone for the very first time, there's a connection because of compassion. I remember yesterday when we were um, just reaching out at Rosebank Mall, and we bumped into three students. And we just started a conversation. So guys... Uh, what are you guys trusting God for? What is the thing that you are trusting God to come and do in your lives? And they were, two of them were like, yeah, just our studies. We're really trusting for a good semester. But the one guy immediately withdrew. Um, he avoided eye contact and just looked away. And the thing that stirred in my heart is that there is a disappointment. Um, there's a disappointment and a hurt. But it's still underlying. So among my friends, I'm still a Christian. But there's questions. There's doubt. Um, so we, we spoke through the whole semester, and as we prayed for them, I just said, um, is there a place where you feel God has disappointed you? Um, and he could just open up a bit and we could minister into that. Um, and, and there's something beautiful when we allow God to act in and through us, and the compassion of Christ starts to act in us, and it draws us to people. And friends, it makes ministry light. Because you know that God is stirring something here that I get to partner with. It's not us going out and saying, Jesus, remember to come with us. No, Jesus says, 
Therefore, go and make disciples and know that I'm with you. So as you go, I'm there. I'm going ahead of you. So understanding compassion and compassion opens the door for ministry. Compassion opens the door for ministry. Ministry will flow when there's an authentic compassion in our hearts for people. If there's no compassion, then ministry will be duty. Ministry will be hard. Ministry will be something that you have to try and cultivate in your own strength the whole time. And you have to remind yourself, remember to reach the last, remember to reach the last, remember to reach the last. But if there's a compassion, ministry is the fruit. We see this where, and Jesus sets them up. Jesus sets them up. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And the disciples say, yep, we're going to pray for laborers. And then Matthew 10, Jesus sends them out. <laughs> Guys, you are the answer to your prayer. <laughs> good. Matthew 10, 5 to 8. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. Ooh, we don't like that word. Some of you are Christians. And Christians obey Jesus. But not all of it. I mean, come on. Right? Jesus commanded them. And Jesus suggested to them, when you feel... <laughs> yeah. Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely have received, freely give. If we reflect back to Matthew 9, it, it started off saying, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then he sends out his disciples and says, As you go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Friends, there is a mission that God is calling us to step into. And, and I want to tell you this morning that there is a natural order to the plans and the purposes of God over your life. That he calls you to come to him. He calls you to a place of understanding and receiving the gospel. He calls you to surrender, to receive Him as Lord of your life. But then He is taking you on mission. And sometimes the frustrations, the tensions, the resistances you are facing in your spiritual life is because Jesus is taking you somewhere where you don't want to go. But He's still going there. He's not changing the plan. He's taking you on mission. And here's the key. Everything that God has called you for is already made available to you through the blood of Christ that cleanses you from all sin, that silences the accuser against you, that says you're not good enough. How dare you preach the gospel when yesterday you had that moment with your wife? The blood of Christ silences the accuser against you and then he gives us the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be witnesses. He gives us his word and his word will not return void. His word will accomplish all that He sent it out to do. And there are good works that He has already prepared for you and me to walk into. Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him? The keyboard player. Yes, that's the magic. <laughs> you guys know how it works, right? Um, the preaching is good, but the anointing... <laughs> 
<laughs> it was um, 2019. Uh, we were at our Every Nation Campus Summit. And uh, Pastor Wayne from the Durban Church preached a message on prayer. And I was sitting in that message and just feeling again stirred and saying, Yo, Lord, if, if, if that type of Christianity is possible, why would I want something else? But I was convicted because it's not the first time I've heard it. If you've read Matthew 9 before, where Jesus was saying to, to them, the harvest is plentiful. It's not a problem of the harvest, friends. Jesus went out and he healed diseases and raised the dead and he says greater works than these will you do. Signs and wonders will accompany this, the preaching of the word. And we, we sit in our, in our chairs, we sit at our homes and we read our Bibles like, yeah, come on Jesus, this is amazing. And then we close our Bibles and we go back to our normal, boring Christian lives. So I went to Pastor Wayne and I said, how do you start? And he recommended a book by Pete Gregg called Dirty Glory. Um, and I read, hashtag listened to the book. Um, and it was a really cool book because he, he narrated it himself. But it stirred something in my heart for prayer. And I, I um, shared it with our team back then and all of them read it. And the, the one girl on team then, her husband read it. And God just captured his heart for prayer. Um, and then lockdown happened. And what a grace. What a grace. And I know for many people it wasn't an easy season and still is not. But there's a grace found when God caused the church to pause and to seek Him afresh. Because we were so used to our rhythms. We were so used to the way of doing it that we no longer need to hear from God afresh. Pastor John Piper once shared a message in Europe speaking to the church. And he said that the church used to be sailboats dependent on the wind for movement but we've developed into motorboats and we don't necessarily need the wind anymore and we're so stuck in the way of doing things that we don't consult God anymore and that birthed something just in our church for prayer and um, in this book there's many 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 stories and you really go, can go and read it but the, the one story was um, the guy just spending time with God and God saying to him okay you need to buy a plane ticket to go somewhere and it's like okay Lord I'll obey you I'll obey you. And then when he got there, uh, and he asked, okay, Lord, and what then? He's like, no, I'll show you when you get there. Like, who would like to live a life like, like, huh? My wife is a serial planner. Um, it's not even our event and she'll take responsibility. What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? It's like, and then Jesus says, no, I'll tell you when you get there. And then he arrives. And as he comes out of the, the gates, there's someone with a board with his name on. Um, and he goes to him and says, this is me. He's <laughs> like, yeah, the Lord just told me that you are coming and I've already prepared a group of people because you have a message from God for us. And the, the whole book is just filled with stories. And I'm like, and it stirs your faith and it stirs your faith and it stirs your faith. And the question just arose again. It's like, Lord, if this type of Christianity is possible, why would I want something else? Why would I settle for something else? And I think so often we're going to stand before the, for the Lord one day and it's like, you're here, but you missed out. Heaven's going to be good, but we missed out. And may we seek Him. But here's the thing. It doesn't just come. It doesn't just come. 
You can read all the books in the world. You can listen to all of Pastor Eric's messages. That doesn't mean that you will see that power of God flowing through you. And I want to give you four things. The first one is be a student of the gospel for yourself. Allow the gospel to keep cutting your heart afresh, to keep reminding you of your need for the gospel daily. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. There is nothing of eternal significance that you can do out of your own flesh. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We need Him. My default is to rely on my flesh, and in my flesh there is nothing good. My flesh wants to rely on itself. There is no faith found there. And apart from faith, I cannot live a life that pleases God. I need God to live for God, to preach the gospel to yourself. When you spend time in the Word, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you deeper revelations of the gospel. Secondly, we pray for a heart of compassion. You see, our flesh has a loud voice. And it wants us to become irritated and offended. Um, all of these different things, all of our insecurities that the Holy Spirit is still working out, they want to come into play. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to birth in us a deeper heart of compassion, that we will love people deeply. And then we pray for the harvest. We pray for those who are lost. The Bible says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. I was saying to someone the other day with the, the petrol price and the, the state of the world and where everything is like, Jesus, now is a good time for you to come back. Anyone agree? Like, there's obviously there's stuff that we want to still maybe do in this world, but Jesus, now is a good time for you to come back. He'll come back when all the world is known. When this message has been proclaimed to the ends of the earth, then He will come back. And we need to pray for the lost. And friends, here's something that I was challenged with. Um, we're so rushed. And life is busy, right? If you've got a full-time job and you've got children, then life is busy. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just busy. Your kids have to go to school. They have to go to their after-school practices. And for some reason, they have to do all the different sports. Um, but so our lives are busy. But we can become so busy and even being busy as Christians. Like, oh man, we have to get ready. We have to go to church. We have to go to a venue. We have to drive through the mission field so that we can worship God here. And we bypass the harvest. Can we pray for the lost? Where you live, where you work, say, God, open my eyes to see the harvest that is plentiful around me. My neighbor, my colleague, my friend. We are super good at hiding what's, what's real in our lives. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to see beyond the natural. You get to hear what God is saying. Yesterday we went to a shop and the one guy that went out, he, um, he, he felt the word of knowledge for one of the ladies in the shop. And he said to her, I just see that you have two children and they're this age, this age and this age. And the guy that works with us turned around like, no way. And that word of knowledge just opened up her heart. And ministry could flow we have the gift of the Holy Spirit <laughs> the power of God at work in us so we pray for the lost and would you give yourself to prayer would you give yourself to prayer now how does that work there needs to be a desire and hopefully stories prayer meetings sermons can stir a desire in your heart when you read your Bible say God is this really possible 
Can this really be true for my life? Let the Holy Spirit stir a desire in your heart. Then it needs to be built upon a conviction. What does Scripture teach? Do you know that Jesus commands you to pray privately and corporately? So not praying privately and corporately is disobedience. There needs to be a conviction. Jesus, what does your word teach? Because I want to be a disciple, a student of Christ. I want to follow after you. There's a conviction. Then discipline. That's a nice one. A discipline. And that just means you set your alarm and you get up and you pray. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you see a breakthrough or not, you discipline yourself to pray. When you go to the gym, I was sick now for a while and for three weeks I couldn't exercise and every um, exercise rhythm in my life was broken. Now I have to discipline myself to get back into a rhythm. Disciplines cultivate habits. Habits become a delight. And then the last one, obey. Obey. If you want to see God work and move in your life, obey Him. When God shows you something, when He shares something, obey Him. And here's what we'll find. We will find the supernatural power of God at work. God is faithful to His harvest. Friends, do you want to know how committed God is to the lost? He sent His Son. He poured out His life on the cross so that the lost can be saved. What else will He not give us? He's given us His best. Everything in between is a given. God is faithful to the harvest and these resources will not run dry. Test Him in it. Test Him in it. Say, Lord, I want to avail myself, my time, my life, my, my home, my dinner table, my finances for the sake of the kingdom. Test Him in it. His resources will not run dry. And I want to end with this this morning. We know the scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Friends, that's good news, right? That God loved the world and He sent His Son into the world. And He did not send His Son so that the world would be condemned. That's good news. The message of the gospel did not come to condemn you. The message of the gospel did not come to condemn you. But Jesus continues and he says, But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The natural state of mankind is condemned because of sin. So sometimes people would blame the church or Christians saying, you are condemning me, that you are condemned already. I'm bringing you the solution, your only way out. For Jesus did not come to condemn the world because you are condemned already. He has come to liberate you. And for some of you this morning, there is compassion in this room today because Jesus has not come to condemn you. He's come to liberate you. For some of you, you need to respond and say, Lord, I avail myself to you. I want to respond and say, here I am, Lord, send me. So if you're here this morning and 
And you are responding to Jesus calling you in. You are part of the harvest. And this morning you are responding to the compassion of Christ that is being made known to your heart in this moment. Won't you just stand? Give some time. Feel that there's someone where God has led you here this morning and is breaking open His heart for you. And His word into your heart this morning is, you are not condemned. You need not remain condemned. If that's you, I would love to. I'll stay behind after the service and I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Those of you that are around them, just come close to them. I'm just going to pray. Just lay your hands on them. Friends, what I love about the Word of God is that it's true. And when Jesus says something, it's the truth. Are you also standing, responding? Or, do, or to pray or to receive prayer? All right, thank you. Would someone just come alongside her as well? Thank you. So for some of you, this morning might be a space where you come to a place of surrender to Christ. To give your life over completely. And I also sense that for some of you, you need to be, you need to be released from a spirit of religion. Where you've been holding on to your own good works in order to be validated in the sight of God. But this morning, the compassion of Jesus wants to enter into your life and liberate you from that weight. You don't need to remain under a place of bondage. Father God, right now we just pray for these precious people. Jesus, you said that you have not come into the world to condemn the world. But through you, Lord, that the condemnation might be lifted. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that you are ministering your deep love and compassion to these precious people. Holy Spirit, would you lead them into a place of surrender? What I sense God is saying for some of you is a deep place of surrender to give over your life. No longer, Lord, am I going to hold on to a double life, one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. This morning, Jesus, I say, it's done. I choose to follow and obey you for the rest of my life. And for some of you, I sense God is saying, will you receive and believe my new truth? That there's a greater truth that I desire to speak over your life. And would you come and solidify that word into their hearts right now in Jesus' name. We cancel the lie of the enemy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you fill them up with your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen.